Friends, you asked and I answered. I'm bringing back a listener favorite. It's been 84 episodes since my friend Terry Trespicio first joined the podcast. Back then, we discussed her new book, Unfollow Your Passion, which came on the heels of her viral TED Talk, Stop Searching for Your Passion. And now, the two of us have new things to talk about. Welcome to episode 143 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, speaker, author, and networking coach. And today, as I mentioned, I am joined again by my friend, Terry Chispicio, to discuss many things, including how to unleash your best ideas, how to look at your work differently, and how to not let words get in the way of sounding human. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. I think the first word is always the hardest, no, no matter what activity, whether it is when we are writing an email, putting together a bio, giving a speech, starting a conversation at a networking event. It's always the first word that is the hardest to utter. But then from there, the opposite happens. We let words take over. We go on without making a point. We use words we don't need and cover up what we are really trying to say with superfluous language. There are a number of reasons why we do this. We aren't prepared. We aren't confident. We don't know where to start. We think our words might fail us. In business and in life, one of the skills we should be consistently working on is the ability to convey what we do, why we do it, and who we do it for. We should also be able to put into words what we need in order to do those things that we need to do. Well, good for us, my guest today is a wordsmith, a skilled user of words, if you will. I have worked with Terry multiple times. Years ago, we worked together on my branding and tagline. She also helped me describe my core idea in two sentences that I tell the audience in every keynote I give. Those two sentences being, the people you meet will change your life. Networking is how you meet those people. When I wanted to create a TED-like talk, meaning a talk that delivers an idea worth sharing in less than 10 minutes, I reached out to Terry and her speaker intensive program was one of the tools I used to hone that skill. I don't know where this episode will go. I haven't scripted out my questions, but I can guarantee it will be fun. Terry, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Um, of course. I mean, I'm sure the listeners are like, yes, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Terry, we are you and I both have email newsletters. And I know, I know you read my newsletters because you always respond to them. And I always read every single one of yours because honestly, they're beautifully written and I think they are thought provoking. Um, this is our art. Some people write sonnets and other people write letters. <laughs> right. I mean, what I think was so amazing is today I opened up your email. It was serendipitous because your email was about networking. And I don't know if you planned that out. You're like, oh, I'm going to be on Julie's podcast today. I'm going to write oh, that. That was synchronicity. Yes. Uh, and you said something in the body of the newsletter about networking. You said that networking does not require confidence, that confidence is a side effect of networking. And I know that I have had so many people reach out to me and say, how do you have the confidence to do what you do? And 
I don't think of myself as being an uber confident person. I think of myself as doing things with repetition and with repetition com- comes confidence. Yes. Is that what you mean? Okay. Yes. Guess what you need to network? A pulse. (laughs) You don't actually need confidence. I, I got a real bug up my hoo-ha about confidence because, you know, you can say ass on this podcast, right? Yeah, of course. I was (laughs) funny. I thought hoo-ha was funny. Because hoo-ha is like suggestive. You don't, you don't okay, know which one I mean. Like, yeah, because it could be the front of the back, I suppose. That's right. Either way, there's a bug up there about confidence. <laughs> because I cannot stand it, mainly because what I hear out of people's mouths again and again is that they think they need it to do anything. Yeah. Um, and the way I think about confidence is confidence is cash and you don't get paid first. You know, I don't ever have cash on me, barely. And yet you still go out and live your life. You can still go get a coffee. You can still go do stuff. And then, you know, cash kind of balances it out. I mean, this is not an advertisement for a credit card. But the truth is a lot of my life is funded on credit cards. And I know a lot of other people are too. So I don't worry about having the cash to be confident to do a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can't. We don't have enough time. So I say, don't worry about confidence. Think of it as a nice, uh, it's one of those gifts they give you at the end of the party. But you got to be at the party first. It's this. So, what yeah. is that bag called? The stuff, swag stuff we all get. Swag. Stuff, <laughs> stuff we, we all get. get. Uh, <laughs> and the confidence thing, I just think we have to get out of our heads about needing confidence because it's holding too many people back from doing things that would really actually help them be more confident. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about communication with you. I know. I mean, I know you're doing a lot. Very meta. It's very meta. Uh, <laughs> it's very meta. Very We're going to talk about communication. I want to talk about podcasting with you on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think what I said in the beginning is true. We don't, we know we, that, Words are the way in which we're going to build relationships, in which way we're going to communicate what we do, in which way we're going to have people follow us and be a part of our brand. Um, But I think a lot of people are paralyzed either by a blank page Mm -hmm. or by starting a conversation. And I would I would ask you because I don't I've never heard you be at a loss for words for anything. And I have sat, and listeners, I have sat in so many of your sessions and webinars and been through your speaker intensive and gone to your How to Speak conference. Um, You always seem to know exactly what to say. And, Hmm. And I was wondering if you have advice or tips for the listeners so they can feel more confident on saying the first word, getting the first word out. Well, let's look at the two, let's look at two different media. There's the talking and having the words on the spot in person when you're having a conversation. And then there's words on paper. And since we're going to get to that, let's start with the in conversation. Mm -hmm. First, you mentioned a few things for which I was very prepared because those were my courses, my live Mm -hmm. events. People are paying good money to be there. And so I better have my... (laughs) ducks in a row. But the (laughs) idea, but there is, um, you said you seem to know. Mm -hmm. And I think that is pretty critical because I don't always know, but I feel like I talk so damn much and Mm -hmm. I write so much that they're the first tool. So I've had practice of doing it and doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing. The second thing is conversation. I think we're putting too much emphasis on having the right words when really we're just having a conversation Mm -hmm. because when someone goes, so what do you do? They're really just trying to get something going here with you. 
you talk about anything. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're like, God, let me go into my LinkedIn file. Let me pull up my LinkedIn. They don't actually want to know that. Mm -hmm. So for one, I sometimes I'm sure I do ask people, what do you do? But I I try to vary it and I Mm -hmm. will ask the questions. You want to feel at home in a conversation. You're worried about being nervous. I'm sure you've taught this many times. Think of yourself as the host. When you take interest in someone else, you not only make them feel at ease and feel seen, but you're kind of in control of the conversation. And then you can end the conversation when you need to. But like starting that conversation, be like, so what do you, I'll sometimes say, so what are you working on? Or what has most of your attention lately? Mm. It doesn't mean, well, here's my job. And they have to trot out their job title, which I will forget in a second. If they're like, well, I'm trying to like plan this trip I'm taking. Then we can dig into it. Because the way you get to know someone is through a conversation about anything. I can talk to you, Julie, about writing, about dogs, about our favorite cocktails. And in any of those parallel universes where I asked you a different question, we would find ways to connect regardless of the topic, which tells me that the topic doesn't really matter. So in the case of on-the-spot networking, I will just, I don't always know what to say. I'll just talk to them or I'll compliment them on something or be like, tell me this. I often, I have uh, my own insecurities, uh, one of which is I don't know anything I don't know anything about how the world works. Sometimes I think I, I just don't know anything. And so I go in a little bit ignorant and I'll just, you know, I'll be like, so what do you mean? What, what does that mean? Explain that to me. I'll just ask people because I don't know anything. And that's yeah. how I learn stuff. So the idea that I should go in knowing and have this idea and be so super suave. Oh, I don't know a goddamn thing. And so I ask a lot of questions. I have two responses to what you just said. So for the first, I love that question and I am not going to remember it exactly the way you said it, but what is taking your attention? What, what, is, it, what has got the most of your attention? Most of your attention. What do you, yeah. Because that to- doesn't implicitly mean we're going to talk about work. Anything. It could be a book you're reading. Yeah. It could be a book you're reading. It could be the fact that I can't stop watching Succession, you know, oh right gosh, now. No spoilers. I'm no not. spoilers. No spoilers. Um, But I can't stop watching. Like that has my, like I think about, I'm like, oh my God. And I think it's because I'm one of three children. So I'm <laughs> in the middle. And, and you're so like you a media too. empire princess. You are too, right? You're one yes. of three, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think that that dynamic between siblings is something that's got me. And I also had shitty parents. So that also is, uh, I mean, I'm not telling the listeners anything they don't know. Um, but I also love that you say, I don't know much about anything. Cause I find that sometimes I sit in this chair and I talk to people and at the end of it, I'm like, okay, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And I get off. I'm like, wow, I'm a fucking dumbass. <laughs> this just happened to me where I, interviewed, uh, you know, a, a speaker friend of mine who is a tech futurist, like, and I mean, she knows everything about technology and artificial intelligence and the future of the world and, and future of jobs. And like, I literally got off and I'm like, duh, <laughs> like, that's all I could manage for the rest of the day. Totally. <laughs> no, I get it. And I think that's good. I don't want to be the smartest one in the room all the time. How boring yeah. is that? I want to be learning. And yeah. this is another thing though, Julie, because people will say, well, it's hard to network because uh, I'm trying to impress people. Yeah. So we'll go in to impress. That's yeah. that's a douche move right there. Like, I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm trying to be like, so like, I'm going to be impressed by someone. Like once, say you're talking to someone and you're like, oh, we're going to get in discussion about succession because it's the newest, biggest episode just came out. Yeah. Go, do you watch succession? They go, no. Now you're like, shit. Like what? And you say, you say oh, really? What are you watching? Yeah. Let's get into, and then say they're watching a show that you don't know. Cool. Time to learn about that show. What do you like about it? Mm. Oh, what's that? What do you mean? Then they just talk and talk because that's something they know about. So yep. now you've put them at ease. 
Yeah. Uh, if they're smart, they'll say, I don't watch Succession. Should I? Tell me why I should. And yeah. then I love to tell them why I love it. But you can really make a conversation about anything. So mm. if that's the goal and the point is just to connect, they will remember you for being the person who did something like, oh, you're planning a trip to Italy. Next time you see them, they go, weren't you going to Italy or yeah. something? That's, as you know, that's, you're entering into hopefully yeah. a longer conversation. Or, I mean, and I love this because I talk about this a lot in my speeches, is having these conversations in which you're not just talking about works gives you ease of follow-up. Yeah, because there's other stuff to talk about. Right? Yeah. You want from them or whatever. Yeah. Like, so if you said to me, oh, I'm going to Italy, I could say, oh my gosh, my husband used to live there. You know, we visited, can, you know. Where are you going? Where are you going? Can I give you restaurant recommendations? Yada, yada, yada. Yes. Um, like that is ease of follow. I mean, that's a very human. Human. Way of spectrum. conversing. And so that gets me to the question that I said, you you, you said you we often let we we let words or we have the ability to get have words get in the way of being human is that what you mean like when we're trying to like act like somebody we're not or not like oh ask yeah questions we think we're supposed to be asking oh, God. don't try to be smart don't try to impress people just like let people see who you are mm -hmm. i know that's easier said than done especially if you're not sure they will like who you are but most people aren't worried about whether you're a, you know, what kind of person you are. They're worried about what you think of them. It's right. just a hall of egoic mirrors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the words, the thing is, like I said, is the, the worst thing to happen to, the worst thing to happen to networking is the word networking yeah. because it presupposes I'm going in with an agenda. I'm going in to get something and it feels yeah. weird. Mm -hmm. So I just go in saying, hmm, I wonder what, who I can maybe help tonight or what, what I can offer tonight. And just think you're going to a potluck and I'm bringing, I don't know. I'm bringing this spicy dish. I'm bringing a bag of Slim Jims. I don't know. <laughs> like I'm just coming in with something and maybe someone needs it and I can help. You go in with that feeling of, hey, I'm just here to kind of participate. I'm not, I'm not life or death hanging on to every conversation. Yeah. Because people smell that desperation. And oh yeah. Okay. I got to tell you, this is, this is neither here nor there, but I was at a conference and I love conferencing. I love conferencing as I love networking at conferencing. It is one of my biggest builders of my brand and always has been when I was working for other companies yes. as conferencing. And I was at a conference and I can't even remember where it was. I think it was in um, Virginia and a bunch of us had gone out afterwards for like late night drinks. And we were in this like tiny little restaurant with these big windows. And a guy we knew from the conference literally walked by, saw us sitting at the at the windows, put his one hand on the window and like snapped into a Slim Jim with the other hand. Really? <laughs> Did that? Did Tom just snap into a Slim Jim? Like he must have been like 20 cocktails in. Like, I don't know. But he was like, ah! <laughs> Oh my God. And now you're seeing him for who he is. Hilarious. I mean, I just love it. I mean, in conferencing is like, it's like a top to bottom activity. It's like, you see them in the morning, you see them in the afternoon, you see them oh, at night, you see them late night. You'll never see it. them for the whole day like that again, probably. No. You see them full spectrum. Conferencing is a very intimate, you, you're there for multiple days. You're It's a shared experience. You're doing things together oh, for multiple yeah. days. I had this conference that I keynoted in, in West Baden, Indiana, um, last fall. And after my keynote, we all went skeet shooting together. Oh like, my gosh. Come so on. Fun. I sucked at it because I'm from Boston. <laughs> I don't have any guns. It was like the first time I shot a gun, but it was so fun. But these are like experiences you share with humans. And that is, and that is 
And that is how you build those relationships. I actually paid and attended a conference. I wasn't speaking there, nothing. And I went and I, the whole way, I was like, why am I doing this? Why did I, six months ago, this is a great idea. And now I'm, I'm on my way to the airport and I'm like, Bleh. but I ended up being like, this might be fun. And it was fun because, you know, we're speakers. We often right. go and speak at a thing and then you're yeah. half speaking, you're busy. But yeah. to just ride into a conference and go along for the ride, mm -hmm. eat the free tacos, go to the open bar night, whatever. Uh, I got to meet some new people and cluster a little group together. And we shared several meals together. Mm -hmm. And we had some really meaningful conversations I got to, I got new ideas. I got to learn about people I would never have met otherwise. And mm -hmm. it was special. It's just not like everyday life. As I think of conferences as summer camp for adults. Right. Because you're going away, sleepovers, you know, sometimes people do bad things. I mean, who knows? But it's, it, it is really fun. So happen. if you get the chance, if you really want to level up networking, mm -hmm. say what conferences are happening this year? Where do I yes. want to go? And just go. In fact, Go by yourself yep. because when you go with a little group, you won't talk to anyone else. Yeah. If you go alone, then you're oh, going yeah. to have to meet new people. Yeah. What inside of you, when you're in the car on the way to the airport, when you have that moment of like, why am I doing this? Like, where do you think that came from? Because you knew it was a good idea. You knew you should be like, where do you think that little sort of hesitation came from? Uh, I think it comes from the fact that I don't want to leave my house. <laughs> I don't want to go. Like, first of all, I've become a nervous flyer. I was never a nervous flyer. And now yeah. I'm very afraid of like being caught in turbulence and da, da, da. And I'm just like, oh, why am I putting myself through this? The worst thing in the world could happen or the best thing in the world. But mm. nothing happens unless I cross my threshold and leave my apartment. Mm. And I I drag myself kicking and screaming over because I'm like, oh, because I put my hands on the back of a dining room chair and I say, is there a chance I'll make it back here? Because I really want to come home. Like, I really want to come back. Like I'm about to go on a trip, a big trip abroad mm -hmm. for like two weeks. And I planned, like I'm, I signed up to do these things. And now I'm like, oh, can't someone else go? Why do I have to go? I just don't want to go. It's going to be exhausting. But once I get there, get there, I will have a great, it will be the most wonderful thing, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know what horrors could happen. I have a little bit of generalized anxiety, like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So it's not afraid of meeting people and all that because you know who's friendly? People at conferences. They're so oh, yeah. nice. They're so, it is just oh, the yeah, night. Yeah. You're catching people at their level best. Yeah. I used to- I don't, so I don't want to leave home. It's funny leave. you mentioned this. I was never afraid of flying until I got married. What? And then, yeah. And so I got married when I was 28. I was never afraid of flying. Let me just what? start, start that again. I was, I just said, I was never afraid of flying. <laughs> so, okay, I was never, I was never afraid of frying. I was never afraid of frying. I love frying. Um, <laughs> Anything fried. I was never afraid of flying until I got married and I got married when I was 28. And then once I got married, I felt sort of like responsible for somebody else's happiness. And that's when my fear of flying kicked in. And really? I was, so what's, what are we afraid of? I was afraid of like leaving him a widow. Like, is it a widower or a widower? Is it a widower? Yeah, he'd be a widower. He'd be a widower. I was afraid of You'd like be dead. Yeah, I'd be dead. I'd be fine because I'd be dead. Um, I I suddenly had this horrible fear of flying, and I was flying all the time. Like, yeah, you do. Well, this was even in my previous career, where sometimes I was flying more. I mean, I had conferences and I went to everything, and I had the worst fear of flying. And I took like an online course to get over it. Did it help? And, yes. 
Okay. Well, and you have now to that I to fly me. so much that I just don't even, I don't even think I know what every, so here's the thing. Fear comes from the unknown and from not having a loss of control. Yes. And I didn't know what all the sounds the plane was making. And I obviously didn't have control of the plane. But once I learned what every single sound was like for me, when I was flying, it was like every time they moved the flaps on the wings, I was like, oh, we're going oh. down oh, you know, I see. Like, because it was a weird noise. But now that I know every single noise that happens from take off to landing, I'm assured because I know what all of those noises mean. I'm not afraid of dying in a plane. I know that it's safer than crossing the street in Manhattan. It definitely is safe. I'm afraid I'll live. I'm afraid I'll live through it and be shaken up like a salt shaker in the air. And I'm afraid I'll be sick or I won't because I don't like rides. Like, and no, I no. trust me, uh, I take every medication. I'm on everything when I go up there. I, I feel it's a fear of loss of control. Some mm-hmm. people have that same fear when they walk into a room of strangers, when they get yep, up on yep. stage. Everyone's afraid of something. That's mm-hmm. kind of what makes me nervous. But I'm always glad that I went and did the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just a bit of a homebody. I do a lot of my networking sitting right here. I love to get on Zoom calls with people, yep. write to people. I mean, well, writing to people is what we're getting into next. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, you, I, I want to tell you said the perfect thing. You can network right from your office chair. You don't have to, you honestly don't have to leave your desk. I, prior to the pandemic, I would have been like, no, you have to be out at events. You have to be shaking hands and kissing babies and like doing all that stuff. But I don't believe that anymore. I believe the world has changed. I believe the way we build relationships have changed. And I think that there's a number of different ways we can connect with people. Part of it is going out to the traditional networking events and conferences. Some of it is LinkedIn networking, but some of it is using words. And that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I think an avenue for success for anybody is to think about how we can communicate differently, whether mm-hmm. we can communicate, how we can communicate differently by email, by voicemail. You and I, we voice memo each other. So we don't text each other. We send voice memos to each other all day long, which I think is great <laughs> because you, there's intonation, which you don't get in a text message. Oh, absolutely. Intonation in a text message. Um, you know, changing the way we communicate just on one-on-one you know, conversations, like how do you think we can be more creative in all of the ways and all of the mediums we have to communicate with each other? I use like you lots of different ways to communicate. And it's, it's very much determined by the personality of the other person, what they will and will not communicate on, Mm. what they tend to respond on. Like if you email me, it's going to take a while because my email is just like a snake pit of stuff. Uh, But there are relationships I have built completely on Voxer. Voxer Mm -hmm. is voicemail, voice messages back and forth. It's like a walkie-talkie slash trading voicemails, right? Asynchronous conversation, which is like my favorite because you can leave it at any time of day. And Mm -hmm. one of my friends, you know, we had met and knew each other for years, but once we got on Voxer, the relationship deepened because I could talk to her whenever. Like I could be Mm -hmm. laying in bed at midnight and say, you know, just thinking, do you worry about this kind of thing? I said to uh, this friend, I feel like I'm always passing notes with her in the back of the room. Mm -hmm. And that's what it feels like. So that's an intimate, the audio only intimate. You're not worried about how you look and blah, 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 blah. So that's for people that I work with, but who are also friends. That's one thing. But then the other one, which even fewer people will go on with me, is Marco Polo, which is- yeah. visual, I know Marco right? Polo. Yeah. You know Marco Polo. If you haven't tried it, try it. 
I'm on there. My entire family, including my like 83 year old dad is on there. And so we get to see him and he gets to see us and mm -hmm. you know, all that. A lot of my friends, this is like a generation thing. So I'm Gen X. Me my too. friends who are Gen X and, and who are a little older than me, I cannot get them to go on it. I have tried. I have tried. They oh, will not. The excuses, and this is idiosyncratic. The excuses are, um, I don't want another app. Mm. Uh, I don't like how I look. I said, well, so when you meet me for coffee, you're going to put a bag on your head? Because I'm going <laughs> to see how you look there too. This is not, yeah. but there's a confusion because since we're not uh, internet natives, putting yourself on a video camera looks like the world can see you, but they can't, right. only the other person can. Yeah. So I have built relationships that way and maintained them because for me, I can maintain it at my pace, which yeah. means when I feel like it, I don't want to yeah. get on a phone call. Uh, no, like that. So to your point, it each relationship has a tenor of its mm -hmm. own and I make sure I respect that. So the fact is the people who don't communicate with me via an instant uh, audio or video messaging thing. I just don't talk to as much. Yeah. And I've noticed they have fallen out of orbit with me. So I'm noticing that the tech is very much impacting who I talk to, who knows what's going on and who my closest friends are. Hmm. So yeah, it matters. Now, the tricky thing is you can't make someone go on there, especially if they're a new contact. Right. So I often offer Voxer as service to someone who's like, hey, would it be easier for you if you could talk to me about stuff when you need to as we plan this event or as we yeah. talk about this thing? And I invite them to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't kind of make someone. I think texting is still the most personal because that is the thing you answer. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's funny because my voicemail on my phone, I don't answer the phone, which is weird for Never. Gen X because- I literally grew up with the the receiver, you know, attached to my ear, talking to all my girlfriends in high school, like, you know, taking that long cord from the kitchen into the bathroom and closing the door. Like, I literally yeah, but you didn't know who was calling you and you had like three friends. Right. So like yeah. now I yeah, don't. Answer. So it's very I safe. So now I don't answer the phone. And if you actually let the phone ring, I mean, most people don't let the phone ring to voicemail. But if you let the phone ring to my voicemail, it says, hi, you reached the voicemail. Julie Brown, hang up and text me. <laughs> what are you doing leaving a message? What is it, 1989? I'm not. And it's, I think it actually says I'm not going to listen to your message. Like, text me. And that's uh, aggressive. And I love it. Uh, and I am probably one of the most aggressive people. Yeah, but who's leaving voicemails? You know who? And like, it's funny because people still bam. leave them. People still leave them. But now most people leave like voicemail messages for me. And I just not voice, voice, voice audio, text. voice text. Yeah. yeah. I Which think it's I just, just like love. we need to hear the voice. The actual yeah. voice is so important. We need to hear tone. It's still yep. real hard to get it in words. As you were saying, do words get mm -hmm. in the way? Sometimes they do because we're writing it quickly and it's not really there. So yeah, I think I think those real not real time, but <clears throat> the more you can include uh, who you are and how you sound, mm -hmm. the closer to you someone feels. Well, let so, let's be honest. Email is still the preferred form of communi communication for most people. For like seventy five percent of of business professionals, email is the preferred form of communication. And I can't remember, I did a podcast of, on this recently and it was like, it's preferred over voicemail. It's preferred over text. It's preferred over like whatever. So we have to get good at using words and language and, and communicating and, and creating a point by email. 
Well, I think that's hard for a lot of people. I think it's really hard, but you're right. Email is, we don't have everyone's text permission. Email is like the front door. You still have to go up and knock. Mm -hmm. Text is like the back door. You know what I mean? Marco Polo is like throwing shit at someone's window. Yeah. Um, But yes, we have to be able to do it quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say not succinctly like you can only have 10 words because there's not enough context that I'm not paying attention either. Mm -hmm. But being able to craft an email, even though you and I do it as part of our business and our outreach, it letter writing is an art form. Yeah. And you don't just dash it off just because like now everyone's in this like quick send things quickly kind of culture. Putting some thought behind what you say in an email is uh, it deserves your time and attention. Right. Like I take time with an email, whether it's to my whole list or whether it's Mm -hmm. to a person. Like I sit down and say, now I'm going to do some emailing, some letter writing. And it's personal, even when that email goes out to a lot of people. Yeah, I think, and I think what you just said there is the key point. I take time. I think so many people think of email as this very quick medium and we send things off without doing the amount of research or rereading them, rereading <laughs> them. them out loud, yep. um, saying them and making sure you're doing it quickly. When I said quick, I don't mean you do it quickly, but you have to get someone's attention quickly. Yes. I mean, the, I mean, that's the point of the subject line. Like the subject line is, are you going to open this? Like what? And that's let's everything. Make, let's make an interesting subject line. Is this urgent? <clears throat> is it right. urgent or is it not urgent? Or am I going to enjoy it? Am I interested? Is it, you know? um, I'm just like looking down my own um, email box, which is just a trash pit of stuff. (laughs) And the most exciting thing is a message from the building saying, you have an Amazon package in the package room. Uh, Yes. I love seeing the re colon when it's a subject line I remember because that means it's a response directly to me. Yeah. Um, I really hate a general subject heading that doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. The problem is, Julie, you're so good at subject headings, and I like to think that I've really honed my art around that too, that it's hard to know if this is something personal or something that's going to a list. I know not everyone's writing to a list, so this is very specific, but I have gotten complaints from people who said, I thought this was just to me, and then I realized, I was like, but it was to you. Just to you. I do, But people get like, wow, this is just a a, a mess. A, a mass, a mass. It's me on my couch. I spent an hour on that. Yeah. There's no mass production involved nope. here. Yeah. I I do remember. I mean, I do love a subject line. And yes, you are correct. My subject lines are crazy, but I have a 78% open rate of my emails, which is like of my, of my newsletter emails. Um, I'm and sure my other emails are a higher rate. <laughs> we would hope. Well, but they I, come to expect something from you and they want yes. that thing. Yeah. So the question is, are people, let's not, let's even like go away from email list emails because that's a different kind yeah. of communication. Yeah. When you're writing to someone that you want to connect with mm-hmm. in a real way and you don't know each other. Yeah. That to me, I actually, I get excited. Mm-hmm. When I see an email my email, like, who's that? Mm-hmm. And if it looks businessy or professional, I figure it isn't really to me. And sometimes I read, I go, this isn't for me. Right. But I recently got an email from a woman who said, hey, you know, I really love what you're doing. I love this. And then really, like it was an actual, like she contacted mm-hmm. me via email. She contacted me via LinkedIn. She was very clear about what she was about. When I wrote her back, she wrote back uh, 
slightly longer email. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Yeah. I don't want someone to dash something off to me. No. She took time to really explain who she was and yeah. and why she was a real person. In fact, the uh, woman on my team goes, hey, this seems like a real person. You should talk to her. Yeah. That was the deciding factor. Yeah. And turned out she is a, a booking agent who is just starting her business. So she's new and not pretending to be something she's not. She's like, I'm starting out. I want to represent more women. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. And I was like, uh, okay. And I really liked her. Yeah. Now she's a person in my life where before she was just a stranger. And right. that leap from stranger to someone who has a re colon at the beginning of the emails yeah. is a big jump. And I really liked her. And I introduced her to you and I yes. introduced her to several other people. But see, I just grew her network and she's going to grow mine. This yeah. is something we put ourselves into heart and soul. Yep. I want to, I'm so glad you mentioned that because you made the introduction to her to me via email um, this morning or last night, this morning last or night. last night. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got the email this morning and listeners, this is, this is how you take an introductory email, a strategic introductory email and you make it something in which you are both, both parties are super excited to move it off of the email platform. So you made the introduction. And so what I could have done is just responded to that email and said, oh, so-and-so it's, I'm so glad Terry connected us, looking forward to connecting to you and learning more about your business, which is what most people would do. But what I did was I went to her email, saw her domain name, her name at her company, Mm -hmm. went to her company realized that she owned three dogs. And I obviously am a dog mom as well. Learned about her company and who she was um, repping and the dog's names. So the dog's names, two of the dog's names were Una and Lily. And I have a cousin, Una, and a niece, Lily. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And I wrote back and I was like, from one dog mom, solopreneur, entrepreneur to another who loves human names for dogs. (laughs) And wrote all this. And I was like, you're never going to believe this. I have a niece, Lily, and a and a cousin, Una. And you have two dogs, one named Una and Lily, and then the other one, Bea. But I didn't have anybody in my family named Bea. Anyways, just said how, like, look at how connected we already are and we don't even know it. And she wrote back and she was like, holy shit. Like, that's the response you want from your email. Now, I never would have gotten that response. She never would have felt as connected to me if I hadn't done that tiny little bit of extra, a little bit of extra and been okay letting her know all of those different little pieces of my life, being okay with being a human, being okay with bringing the human aspect into our you know, business conversation. Because it's a relief to her too. She doesn't, she's like excited to talk to a potential new prospect who could gain more business for her. And she might be, I don't know how she feels, but she could either be like, oh, there's another person or she could be intimidated or excited. She's Mm -hmm. obviously very excited. But now when you get on a call with her and you get off the email, right, it'll be like a real conversation with a real person. Mm -hmm. Like this is, you, you could change each other's lives. Who knows? Right. But you know, it's very rare to make it to that point. Yep. Not everyone gets to the worst is, and I know you know this and everyone listening knows this, when you get these emails from strangers, either in your inbox or on LinkedIn, and they're like, it appears, you're, I love what you're doing. And they give you some bullshit lies. Yep. Like, it appears you might did it. Do you think you need this? Here's a link for my calendar. We should talk. Yep. I'm like, uh, what? Like, no. now you want me to sign up for it? I'm sorry. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I don't know why people think that's a good idea, but uh, no. Yeah. 
So I think this would be, because again, I'm just so glad that this email interaction happened today because it just goes to show the power of email in building a network, in building a business, in just building relationships and friendships. So I think today, would today right now, would be a good time to talk about this special thing that you and I have coming up together. Yes. When we were talking about words and how to uh, how to actually break through the noise. Um, this is a real sweet spot for me and you because we're both speakers and writers and creators and communicators who basically communicate for a living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we walk our talk. We put the time in to ensure that connections are real. And this, as we know, could and does change other people's lives too. Right. So we took, you and I were thinking, let's take one piece of this Mm-hmm. that we could dive into and really teach and allow people to practice. And so da, 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 da. we're doing our first workshop together, um, which I, of course, love the title. It's called From Unread to Riveting, How to Email Cold Leads Without Being a Hot Mess, which <laughs> this is just so, it's so Julie and I love I it so it. much. Mm-hmm. I love it. And the idea is, it's a 90-minute workshop, and we're going to dive into exactly this, the craft of the draft, right? How do you get into really thinking about how to write? Because as as you and I know, and everyone else, when you go to sit down to write it, there's a moment of pause yep. over a blank page. And you had asked me, how do you deal with that first moment? I try not to hover too long because the longer I hover, the harder it is to land on that page. So I I have an approach to it that I take that just involves actually um, using language to get at the idea rather than trying to figure out what I'm going to say and Mm -hmm. find the words. That actually doesn't help, I find. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach a different approach and you are going to talk to us about some of the the things you've seen work and not work, including some really bad, some really yes. bad emails, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things we're covering, how long should it take you? What are you going to tackle in an email? You can't become someone's best friend in a first email, right? This mm-hmm. is the first of a long conversation. Uh, the subject line, what are people saying in the first line of an email that is killing their chances of a real connection? Uh, what length has to do with it? How long should you go on? People, oh, people don't read. They don't read everything, but something that's just to them, oh, you better believe they Uh do read it. Uh, The surprising power of emojis and, well, you might say GIF. I say GIF. I say GIF. You say GIF. Okay. Like the peanut butter. Like the peanut butter. And how to follow up. You say, well, I don't want to bother people. Well, if you could sit there and not bother anyone and no one will ever talk to you ever, that's not that you'll die being polite and having no one to talk to. (laughs) Uh, So this is what we're doing. It's happening. On May 24th, it is an happy hour time. Happy hour. Five to six thirty Eastern. I think we're going to come up with a cocktail that everybody can make, right? Yep. That's from I leave that to you. Okay. All right. That is your department. We're going to do a cocktail. You'll come uh, and you can come do it. It is a, we'll have more information. You'll love the website. (laughs) I know that my name is not as easy to spell. But Google knows me. Mm-hmm. She'll send you my way. It's uh, terrygespicio.com slash hot mess. <laughs> One word, hot mess. And then we will direct, then you'll be able to see, like, what is this thing? What, what does it cost? It's, yeah. it's basically a one-off. And the reason, 
And I think it's important to say this. There's a lot of free workshops and webinars. If you want to deliver something of value, it requires a commitment. And when you pay for someone's time and you pay for a workshop, chances are you show up. I know I do. Mm-hmm. So we are looking for people who really want to dig into this because you're going to get the chance to try it out, to learn yep. a different approach and to actually apply it. Right. Am I missing anything? Yes. And this is not a, I mean, yes, it is a webinar, but it's on Zoom. Like it's not. No, like it's you, real live. It's, yeah, live. it's real live. Everybody will be able to see everybody. You'll be able to talk to us. Oh, yeah. You'll be able to not a canned, us. It's not a yes. canned thing. This yeah. is, we're going to be giving you personalized feedback and talk right, about right. what you're working on. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait because yeah. this is. This is a special thing and it could yeah. change everything. Yeah. I mean, I know, I, it. I know, it. I mean, I know I have examples in my books of emails that changed my business. So this oh, and we got to look at those again. This is an important, this, it, it's just so important. It's so and important. There's another reason you were saying uh, earlier, why do people feel worried? Of course, they're worried what someone will think. Are they bothering them? Will they be impressive or interesting mm-hmm. enough? But there's also that fear that people have around language. And as uh, Gloria Stefan said, when she was part of Miami Sound Machine, the words get in the way and they do. And so I'll give you one tip of how I, you said, how do you keep words from getting in the way? And here's my tip for you for the day. And there's more of this, there's more where this is coming from. Uh, Use words as a utensil, not an ornament. Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to dress up an email with fancy adjectives and, and extraneous information, Think of the sharpest, most useful use of words. Mm -hmm. And how I do that is by writing a rough draft to no one where I just bang out everything I think I want to say and I don't care what it looks like. I just write it. I go, I think I'm trying, and I'll actually write. I'm going to write to this lady. Here's what I think I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm worried about, what I want to ask. And I write my way into it because once you're writing, you're writing. And then you can get at the things that you most want to say. So that's my, that's my little tip for the day. What is, what do you think is helpful? Well, I think for me, I mean, again, I come from a research, I mean, I have a degree in biology. I come from a research background. Everything I do begins with research. And by research, I mean, understanding the person that I'm trying to reach out to. It's not about me. It's about them. How much can I learn about them? And then how do I use what I learned in a way that is not creepy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I saw that in uh, April of 2020, you were having a rash of some kind yeah. on your elbow. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it. Facebook page that you have shingles. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's a the line there. I, love yeah. that. I always forget that you were a bio mm-hmm. person. It's so interesting. We could not come from more different backgrounds and yet we are singing the same song, but that yeah. is what makes this kind of a fun um, exploration of yeah. what we do together as as co-teachers because you come from do your homework place, yeah, like yeah. know the metrics, measure it, know what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I have a master's in poetry. So that is what we're going to do. Well, it's going to be a blend of everything. It's, it's going to be great. I mean, because I think everybody thinks networking is this amorphous thing that doesn't have structure and it has so much structure. Like if so you much- absolutely that's like saying a that's like saying any creative endeavor. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just creative. It's ushy gushy, or it's just yeah. no. Creative endeavors have rules. They have boundaries. They have form and structure. Yep. Yep. And it's not like there's one magical thing, a Mad Libs thing, where you can fill this in for everyone. The whole point is you should not be using a Mad Libs format. You should be reinventing it each time. And if you say, "Well, that's too much work," then how important is it for you to connect with people? Because exactly. 
I want you to be able to enjoy that work, to sit down and go, now I'm going to give this person my attention. I'm going to show them that I care about them and I'm interested in learning more. Uh, and that is the gift that you took time to do it. If you think you're too busy to network, then I hope that you're, that you're, <laughs> let me do that again. If you're too busy to network, what you're saying is you don't really need new business. You don't really want to grow and you don't really need any new friends. And if that's true, then I'm glad you're independently wealthy. But for the rest of us, our livelihood depends on the strength and endurance of long-term relationships. In fact, I will quote Dory Clark on this, who is very, talk about networking. The woman is so, everyone in the world knows her, I believe. And if you don't, check her out. She's a brilliant author and a marketing expert and all that. She says her rule of thumb is when she meets a new person, a new contact, it is a full year before she asks for anything. She's like, she's burned herself before where she went in and said, what do you think about this? Can you help me with this? And it was like, whoa, slow your roll. Yeah, so yeah. she gives and gives and gives and just engages and allows that to happen. And a year, maybe she'll ask. Yep. And if you say you don't have time, I said, well, what the heck are you doing a year from now? Right. Would you like to have a relationship that you don't have yet? Yeah. I mean, that just goes to show you can't, I mean, there's no Hail Mary passes in networking. What if you need a Hail Mary pass, you are too late. You are too late. That is correct. So do not allow I, that to happen. <laughs> I mean, we could go on. I mean, we should, I mean, I just, we can't, we can't because this podcast has an ending, but we could go on <laughs> yes. and we will go on on May 24th at five o'clock. And again, terrychespecio.com slash hot mess. Yes. It's not a webinar. It is a meeting of the minds. So just know you that. You just get to stay home. You will be with us. In the Zoom rooms, it is not a webinar. It is a meeting of the minds. Um, and I can't wait. I think it's going to be so amazing. Yeah, it's going to be real fun. And you're going to leave with something you didn't walk in with. Yeah. You're going to come in. You're going to do that's Workshop means you make something. Yep. And when you leave, you have something. And also you have a new perspective. So you can rinse and repeat and, uh, you know, change the way you approach communication. Right. And not Very be right. a hot mess. And not be a hot mess. I mean, maybe in other parts of your life, but not in your Maybe, email. but not here. <laughs> not in your email. All right, girl. Thanks so much. We will uh we'll see each other again on May 24th. Yep. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, bye. Julie. This upcoming collaboration with Terry blossomed out of discussions I had after I published the episode on why your emails suck and how to fix them which is actually one of my most listened to episodes. And it's no wonder. I mean, even though it is the preferred form of communication, the average person spends nine seconds or less looking at your email. You want an even more disappointing statistic? 30% of people will spend less than two seconds looking at your email. If you want to get noticed, make a point, build connections, you need to know how to effectively use email to communicate and network. I wouldn't be teaching this class if I didn't have proven ways of breaking through those email stats. My mass emails, meaning my newsletter emails, have an average open rate of 70%, which is unheard of. And my one-to-one -one cold emails, if you will, have an even better open rate. This is an important tool, and we cannot wait for this interactive workshop with you. Like, it's going to be so much fun. So remember. May 24th, 
5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Bring a cocktail and your creativity because we're going to smash some of these email stats together. The link to register is www.terrytrispicio.com slash hot mess. If you don't know how to spell her name, don't worry. There's a link to it in the show notes. Okay, on to the drink of the week, which is the Andaz Hot Mess. Um, So the Andaz is a restaurant in San Diego. So this is a drink they have called the Hot Mess. Here's what you're going to need. Strawberry puree, one part St. Germain, and then we're going to have champagne to finish off the cocktail. What you're going to do is you're going to take a cocktail glass and fill it with ice and then add the strawberry puree and the St. Germain, stir to combine, and then, you know, fill that glass up with champagne. And they garnish it with blueberries on the top. And, you know, I'm super excited for this workshop, which is online. But if you want to see me and Terry speak live, we will both be presenting at the How Design Live conference in Nashville, Tennessee, the first week of June. The conference is June 4th through the 7th. I'll include a link to the conference in the show notes. All right, friends. That's it for this week. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the podcast to help it reach a larger audience. If you want more Julie Brown, you can find my book, This Shit Works, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You can find me on LinkedIn at Julie Brown BD. Just let me know where you found me when you reach out. And I am Julie Brown underscore BD on Instagram or as always. You can just pop on over to my website, juliebrownbd.com. Until next week, cheers. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.